This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. AstroCast is poured for you by Carbach Brewing. Get highlights, interviews, the latest news surrounding MLP, and your Astros. Brought to you by Carbach Brewing. Looking up. See you later. Into the Landry's Crawford boxes. Subscribe to AstroCast. Expecting a great season with this Astros team. The official podcast of the Houston Astros. It's going to be a lot of fun the whole way. Welcome back to Astro Launch and a chance to visit our Sunday conversation with Astros General Manager James Click. Happy Father's Day to you, first and foremost. How you doing? I'm good, guys. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Hey, as a uh, you know, this is a demanding job. Obviously, your time and then your uh, your thoughts and everything else. Your, your children. Uh, you know, I know. You know, everybody has to make those sacrifices. They, how much do they understand about uh, what their dad does as a general manager of a major league baseball team? Uh, you know, it comes and goes a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I think that they, they get it. Although my oldest son told one of his friends the other day that when I die, uh, that means he gets to take over as general manager. So, um, I'm not sure they understand how the job actually, uh, goes about from person to person, but, uh, you know, they get it, but, but this has been one of the tough things about the pandemic. It's something that, that Dusty and I've talked about a lot because, you know, he wants to get his son in there, uh, get him around the guys let him hit you know he's he's a draft prospect he'll probably be drafted here in about a month and it'd be just a great experience for him to get around his dad and around some of these hitters and get some pointers from them and you know my my guys my sons they love to come on the field for batting practice they love to go to the clubhouse after a win and, and meet the players and you know i was congratulating carlos correa he, he announced earlier uh, this week that his wife's expecting and i was i was congratulating him and, and he was asking me about my kids and he's, he's like i haven't met him and i'm like yeah that's that's the pandemic. Um, and so it's just, it's something we're all looking forward to getting back to normal and being able to, to share this with our families because, you know, Dusty at me, everybody else in this game, we spend a lot of time away from our families and um, we just want to share it with them. And, and that's, uh, it's something we're really looking forward to. Well, hopefully each and every day we're getting a step closer to getting back to normal. Uh, was it your dad that got you interested in, and brought on your love of baseball? Yeah, my, my parents had uh, season tickets through my dad's work uh, to the Durham Bulls uh, where I grew up in, in the old stadium, the one that you can see in the movie. And, and we were right there in the, uh, the the box right by the third base dugout, right right near the third base coach. And, uh, you know, I, I would sit there and try to try to decode the signs from the third base coach, figure <laughs> out when they got a hit and run or a steal or anything like that. But, um, you know, I, I think it's natural. Everybody, everybody's dad. Uh, goes out and plays catch with them and you know you sign up for little league and uh and it just goes from there but um i've i have a lot of memories of uh of sitting in that box uh, a couple rows behind the third base dugout and in the, the old durham bulls park with my dad so it's um it's it's good memories back there were you a big crash davis fan in those days <laughs> well they actually uh I, I found out later that they had an open call for extras uh when they were when they were filming the movie and, and we were going to go but they uh it ended up filming it in december and they would film all night um because you know they just they have a few days out there and so uh you know it, on the radio they were like hey come out and be part of this movie and 
I think my dad was going to do it. And then they found out the reporting time was like eight at night and they were there until four in the morning. And so they didn't, they didn't feel like they could keep me out of school, but, um, you know, everybody was a Durham Bulls fan. We love that movie. We're big Crash Davis fans. And, um, it's, it's cool now to have the Asheville team, uh, in, in our affiliation now, because there's a scene at the end of the movie after Crash gets released where, uh, he goes to Asheville and that's where he sets the minor league home run record. And you can see him driving his Mustang up to the tourist park back there. So it's, uh, it's fun to have another little piece of that movie in the in the organization. Well, yeah, we're visiting with James Click here on Astro Launch, uh, J- Astros general manager. Hey, let's move to the big leagues because uh, this team is playing good baseball right now. A lot of fun to watch and and doing it against very good competition as well. Yeah, no question. And and we had highlighted this section of our schedule, starting with that Dodger Padres homestand uh, and Red Sox homestand. And, and going really probably through right here uh, before we get to go on the road and, and start to play the uh, the Orioles and the Tigers for a little bit. This this was a stretch of our schedule that we knew uh, was going to be a gauntlet and we knew it was going to be a really good measuring stick of where this team is. Uh, and, and I think so far we're something like 16 and 7 uh, since since the start of that Dodgers series, which, which says a lot about this group uh, because these are the teams that – you know, if we uh, if we're lucky enough to get in the playoffs, that, that we expect to see, uh, we'll expect to see. You know, the the Red Sox, the White Sox, um, you know, possibly the Blue Jays. If we get all the way to the series, it could be the Dodgers or the Padres. So measuring ourselves up against these teams is a really good way to find out where we are and, and what we need to work on. I thought the really intriguing part of this series alone, not only are you facing a, a White Sox team who came into Houston with the best winning percentage in Major League Baseball, but probably the best pitching rotation as well. And uh, you, you hang double digits on that White Sox staff on the first night, and then uh, you just basically outpitched them the last couple of nights. I want to talk to you about your starting pitchers because, uh, I mean, Fromber, Garcia, Urquidy, just been absolutely outstanding, not only in this series, but it seems like all season long. Yeah, no question. And I think our guys would would uh, would take uh, take a little umbrance with your your point that the White Sox have the best starting rotation in baseball. I mean, our our guys have, have done everything uh, that we've asked of them and more, uh, more in these, especially these last three to four weeks. And um, it has really put us in a a tough spot to figure out how to get innings for all of these guys who are pitching so well. And I think it just starts with attacking the strike zone, and they're doing a great job of that of getting ahead of these hitters getting them on their heels, getting them into some, some pitchers counts and then putting them away. Uh, and, and Fromber since he's come back from the injury has been, been lights out and the curveball especially, I think has been something that has really separated him from the rest of, of the group and not just the movement on it, but the location and just continuing to pound the zone, especially the bottom of the zone. He's, he's, continuing what we saw last year when he's really stepped up into a, a leadership role in this rotation. You talk about uh, this rotation, but you also talk about the bullpen. And Christian Javier, I think, is he's an interesting piece with an interesting skill set uh, that gives you a lot of different options. How difficult is it and how big of a challenge is it to, to be able to make sure you're maximizing that skill set? Well, that's a conversation that we had with him when we moved him into the bullpen a few weeks ago. And, and we told him that we were not going to put him into a one-inning role. Uh, we don't see him as a, as a bullpen pitcher going forward. Uh, and we may need him back in the rotation at some point later this year as we try to balance everybody's innings, uh, making sure that the increase isn't too much after the 2020 season. So we, we sat down and we told him we are going to use you in a high leverage multi-inning role. Uh, and, and he took to that and he said, that's, that's good. Uh, and we told him this doesn't take starting off the table in the future. And it's something where it, in a lot of ways, I think it really gives the rest of the bullpen a break where if he can come into a game where we're up, 
one or two runs or something like that and give us three innings or, or, or even more, uh, it just takes the, the load off the rest of the bullpen and, and allows us to reset that group a little bit while also running uh, a high-quality pitcher out there who can get some big, high-leverage outs for us. Well, we continue our Father's Day conversation with Astros General Manager James Click here on Astro Launch as the Astros get set to take on the Chicago White Sox in the finale of this four-game series. Want to get a little bit of an injury update. I know Alex Bregman visiting with the media yesterday, and uh, basically it was no news is no news as far as it's uh, concerned, as far as the quad injury is concerned. Well, what are you hearing? Because I, I know all in all right now it's just a matter of is it just is the simplest thing it's going to be a little while? Yeah, I mean, the the short answer and the, the, the true answer, I know it's frustrating for everybody, is that we just don't know at this point. We need to give his muscles some time to calm down, let the swelling go down, sort of see how he responds to treatment. And at that point, we'll be able to start narrowing down exactly how long we think he'll be out. Uh, but, you know, he went on the DL or IL three or four days ago, so he's, you know, eligible to come off and six or seven days he'll be back sometime between six and seven days and and you know the end of the world but um right now that's basically the bounds that we can put on it obviously i'm being a little facetious there but we'd love to be able to tell you exactly when he's going to be ready to go but right now we just kind of have to wait and see how his muscle responds but we saw him last year with a hamstring injury come back in under three weeks. And so we're hoping that he responds similarly to this one, and he's only out a short period of time. Hey, 20 games, 20 days. We've, we've talked a lot about this. But, uh, you know, being able to bring in guys like Abraham Toro, Rebel Garcia, even Taylor Jones, because you don't have a Ledmas Diaz, that, that's, that Swiss Army knife that can play a little bit of everywhere. But you're, you're able to replace him with some young guys getting that opportunity. How important is that to knowing that you have versatility with those three names I just mentioned? Uh, there's no way to put a value on it. I mean, this is a reason that we prioritize depth on the roster and making sure that one through 40 on the 40 man and one through 26 on the 26 man can come in and contribute for us any, any day of the week. Uh, And you can't say enough about what Robel did last night, what Toro did in his first game with four RBIs. These guys stepped in uh, and they took the reins and and you could say a similar thing about Chaz McCormick stepping up when Tucker's out and, and making a couple of huge defensive plays in the outfield obviously some real power in the bat. Uh, This is the kind of thing that allows us to get through the inevitable injuries that we faced in 162 games. And beyond that, with with the trade deadline coming up, there's no more trade waivers. And so after the July 30th, you're you're not allowed to make trades anymore. You can make minor league trades, but you can't make big league trades. And so we are going to prioritize having a roster that for the last two months of the season uh, that we can't really help it. Uh, and so we have to have the depth on that roster and seeing these guys step up, seeing Robel, seeing Toro, seeing Chaz, uh, seeing some of the pitchers step up is, is huge for us because it, it gives us more confidence that in August and September when, when our hands are tied, that if something goes sideways on us, these guys are ready to go. Hey, can you give me a little little something on Rabel Garcia? Because I, I know everybody's got to feel good about a guy like this, a, a grinder who's been in the big leagues before, but now getting his opportunity. I know that 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 two out double yesterday that cleared the bases. It was just such a such a big hit and a big moment for a guy that that has worked so hard to get here. Yeah, I mean, his his story, I think, is getting well told at this point about, you know, being overseas in Italy for a few years. But, you know, he came back here and we saw what he did a little bit last year. Uh, I'll credit our scouting group for for keeping an eye on him. And and when he uh, became available in spring training, they said, hey, this guy's, you know, he's got some pop in the bat. He can play all over the field. Uh, We're going to get him some work at shortstop during batting practice and things like that and see if that's something that that he can hold down on a regular basis. But um, he's just... 
He's a strong guy. He's quiet. Uh, you know, swings about a little more power, I think, from the left side at this point. Um, and, and we'll continue to see what he can do in the field. But this this versatility at the plate and in the field, uh, these are these are big reasons why we like them. And you can't say enough about a guy who who's grinded his career uh, to, to this point. There's a lot of guys who, who would go to Italy and, and might not come back. But um, but he did. And he's a big leaguer. Hey, how important was it to get uh, Abraham Toro up here when he was hot, uh, hitting about nearly 360 in Sugarland, and and being able to, to get him quickly into the lineup and, and just basically try to keep on keeping on what he was doing in the minor leagues? Yeah, there's no there's no question on that one. That that's a situation where we had talked to him when when he went down to Sugarland that we need him to get at bats. You know, he didn't get a lot of at bats in 2020. And he has so much potential and he's young enough that he needs to get that experience and those reps in order to continue to develop. And they just, the opportunity wasn't here at the big league level. We just, we have so much depth on the, on the top of the roster right now. And and now with a couple guys a little bit banged up, there is that opportunity for him. And so we felt better about getting him up here, but it is a conversation that, that Dusty and I had where we said, all right, if we're going to bring this guy, we got to make sure that we play and we got to make sure that, that we get him the at-bats because he's got so much potential. We can't have him sitting on the bench and getting five, six, seven at-bats a week. He needs regular at-bats, and we're going to find him for him. Hey, I wanted to get an update on a guy that's making his way through the minor leagues in a rehab assignment, and that's Austin Pruitt. Can you give us a, an update on where he is and, and maybe some of his biggest challenges on his comeback? Yeah, I, I, it's just getting healthy. Uh, the, the main thing is that he feels good. Everything's good. Uh, the stuff has looked as it should. You know, he's got the fastball in the low 90s that he commands very well. Uh, we're going to try to get him up to Baltimore, actually, with the big league team that get uh, Strami and the guys get their eyes on him, just have him throw a side session up there. Uh, and then from there, he'll report to Sugarland. So he's he's moving along that rehab calendar. He's pushing his way back to the big leagues. But, um, you know, this will be a big week for him, getting back with the big league team, just let him feel like he's part of that team again because because he is but you know when when you're down there in west palm or you're down there in fayetteville or or you're working on a rehab assignment sometimes you can feel disconnected so uh you know we we thought it was a good idea to get him up there to baltimore uh let him hang out with the guys let him let him get some some work in with strami but uh, from there, it's Sugarland, and uh, hopefully not too much longer before he's back on the big league roster. Hey, next week we get a chance to visit with you. We get a chance to talk about that combine, something that we hadn't been able to really talk about. But we appreciate your time, James Click, and uh, happy Father's Day to you. Happy Father's Day to you and all the dads out there. All right, that is James Click visiting with us. More to come next here on Astrolong. The 2021 season is upon us, and the Houston Astros single game tickets are on sale now. Make your plans to see the Astros live at Minute Maid Park. From dollar dogs and Friday night fireworks to great plays and Crawford box home runs. Looking up, see you later! You won't want to miss a second of the excitement at Minute Maid Park this season. We can't wait to welcome you back to the ballpark because this season is for the age. Visit Astros.com slash tickets for more information and to get your tickets today. Hi, everybody. This is Steve Sparks. Welcome back to Astro Launch. We have a very, very special guest today, and it's Miss Jacqueline Bostic, who's on the board of directors as a vice chairman of the Emancipation Park Conservancy. And first of all, I want to welcome you in. Uh, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for the invitation. President Biden yesterday signed an act, and it was very important. He signed the Juneteenth National Independence Day Act and established June 19th as a federal holiday. What does that mean to us in Houston and all around the world? Well, it means that uh, now that Juneteenth will be recognized not only 
by Americans, but by everyone, is the day that all slaves were finally freed in the United States, Juneteenth. 1865. And you have a personal connection to that, don't you? Yes. My uh, great-grandfather and his family uh, were former enslaved people, and they were living in Texas at that time in Matagora County. And so they found out when the other people found out that all slaves were freed. And when they got a chance to, to come to Houston, and they just wanted a, a place to celebrate their newfound freedom more than anything else. But that was the birth of Emancipation Park, wasn't it? Well, that was a part of the birth that they really wanted when it began. When they were free, they needed a place to stay. When they were free, they, they did not have any kind of institutions. They did not have uh, any places to stay. And the only way that they could continue to be on the plantations way they were was that they would have to continue to do the work, but they were not going to get paid for their labor. So he had brought his family to the Houston area where they were able to uh, find uh, not lodging, but to develop a place to stay because again, they did not have places to stay. And uh, some of the first, uh, freed slaves that came to the Houston area uh, were allowed to live on Buffalo Bayou until they were able to, to purchase and build their own homes. What did they do? They just pooled some of their money together and bought that parcel of land that we know now? Uh, for, for Emancipation Park, it was a community effort. It was a church effort. Uh, Reverend Yates, along with Reverend Dibble and other people in the community, they came together, pooled their monies, they uh, developed an association, and uh, this became the place for family, friends, celebrations, and where the community could come together. Talking with Miss Jacqueline W. Bostick, what is uh, Emancipation Park like now? I, I know they've gone through some renovations, but if we got a chance to go out there today, what would we expect? You will see a beautiful facility. Uh, all of the facilities were updated uh, at the time that they uh, decided to uh, upgrade the facilities. New facilities were built as well as those that were already here were updated to today's standards. And I didn't realize it was as big as it was, Ms. Bostic, but it's 10 acres and there's picnic areas, there's swimming pools, there's baseball fields, basketball courts, all of that, isn't there? Yes, yes, there's something for everybody, for the children, for the adults, and with this hot weather, a wonderful place to come and swim. So there's something for the whole community to enjoy. And, and as a national holiday now, Juneteenth, what are the celebrations like there uh, among the community? Well, uh, I'm sure that they will continue as they have, and some will probably be even larger but uh, usually the community in our in this area comes together to the park and they have picnics and uh, different types of activities uh, where people can come and just enjoy being together and feeling comfortable with each other and just enjoying the fact that they are free because Juneteenth really stands uh, for freedom to us. It, it stands for freedom, emancipation stands for freedom. 
We mentioned that you're the, the great granddaughter of a very famous former slave in Jack Yates, who was a pastor as well. Were you alive when he was alive? No, I never had the opportunity to meet my great grandfather. I wish I had, but I didn't. But you heard a lot of stories, I'm sure. Yes, yes. But I, I, I learned a lot about him and the many things that he did in the Houston community. Well, what a great legacy. I'm sure you're very proud. And you know what? Houston's very proud of you as well and getting a chance to know you a little bit and reading your bio and all the things that you've done throughout your career in the, in the community, in the city. You're on the who's who's list of women since 1983, but just an unbelievable service to your city and your state. So we thank you very much, Ms. Jacqueline Bostic, and thanks for being here today. And thank you again for inviting us. And I hope you have a happy Juneteenth. <laughs> thank you very much. You as well. We'll be back with more of Astro Launch right after this. Young Astros fans, it's never too early to show off your Astros pride. With the season in full swing, be a part of the official Astros Kids Club today. Kids 12 and under can join the Astros Buddies Club and receive a Buddies backpack, cap, socks, and access to exclusive events and activities throughout the year. All for only $25. What's even better, it will get shipped right to your door. For more information and to purchase your Astros Buddies membership, visit astros.com buddies today. Hi, and welcome back to Astro Launch. This is Steve Sparks ahead of the third game of this four-game series with the Chicago White Sox. And we have a very special guest, uh, especially when you consider it's Father's Day weekend. And this might uh, really be a profound difference in, in maybe you or somebody that you love. Uh, so listen up. This is really important. Dr. Jorge Darcourt, who's the Associate Director of the Sixth Houston Community Cancer Center, Dr. Darcourt. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Steve. Very good. Well, let's get right down to it because I know you're, you've been at the, the forefront of a lot of this and being the, uh, the associate director uh, for all those facilities is a big time responsibility. Let, let's get into the statistics of what we see with prostate cancer these days. Well, basically prostate cancer is extremely important. It's a disease that unfortunately is going to touch one out of eight men in their lifetime. Mm. So to give you just a number, there's going to be approximately 250,000 prostate cancer cases uh, in the United States in this year. And unfortunately, 34,000 men are going to die from prostate cancer during 2021. And that's the second leading cause of cancer death uh, for men in the United States. What are the, the most likely contributing causes uh, for people to, to get prostate cancer? Are there, are there some things that, uh, that they can do? Yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, basically, prostate cancer is a disease that is associated with age. So the older you are, you're, the higher the chances of you developing prostate cancer. This is something that is very rare uh, before age 40. But I, you get into your 60s and 70s, you know, it's much more common. The average age is 66 years old. So that's one of the risk factors, definitely age. Uh, number two, race has been uh, found to be uh, quite important. Uh, uh, African-American men, black men uh, have a higher incidence of uh, prostate cancer. And uh, also uh, family history. So you have a family history of prostate cancer, meaning a first degree relative, your dad, your brother, that has had prostate cancer, and especially if it had happened uh, in a young age, that means before age uh, 40, uh, actually before age uh, 65, actually, sorry, 
uh, it will uh, increase your chance of having a prostate cancer in the future. And it can double actually your, your chance of having prostate cancer. We're talking with Dr. Jorge Darkhort with Houston Methodist. And uh, what can we do? Uh, you know, when we're talking about prostate cancer, at what age should we start to be checked and, and things of that nature? Yeah, so uh, the recommendations that actually we have right now for American uh, Society of Clinical Oncology and the American Cancer Society are to uh, start uh, checking for prostate cancer with your uh, doctor at age 50. And that's for patients that do not have any family history or, or risk factors. Now, if you have a risk factor, this should happen, like for example, African-American men, this should happen at age 45. Okay. And if you have family history, you know, for example, your brother had prostate cancer before age 65, probably you should start this conversation with your doctor at age 40. Okay, so some of the things that we can do to probably lower our risk have to do with general health. Can you explain some of that? Well, keeping yourself uh, active has been extremely important uh, right. and that has been proven not only for prostate cancer for other cancers too that exercise and a good level of activity uh, decreases the chance of you having cancer or if you have cancer it leads to better outcomes so being physically active is extremely important you know uh, have a healthy way having a healthy way has been associated with um, having improving outcomes in cancer and also to prevent certain cancers and there are some diets that have been associated uh, with uh, decreasing the risk of, of cancer. You know that doesn't mean that you have to run, you know, directly to the supermarket and start eating only vegetables. But uh, if you have a more balanced diet, and specifically what they call the cruciferous vegetables uh, like broccoli and you know, cauliflower, cabbage, that kind of stuff has been associated with a positive impact, okay? Uh, it's not a one recipe that cures all, but it uh, certainly helps, you know, and there's a lot of research about that. And the more we learn, you know, the, the further recommendations are going to go, but uh, a good diet, good exercise, you know, and having a healthy weight is extremely important. It's Father's Day weekend. And we have a very special guest, uh, Dr. Jorge Darkhart, the Associate Director of the Houston Community Cancer Center. Dr. Darkhart, you've been at the, the forefront of a lot of this. And doctor, when we're giving people tips, you know, that might be dealing with prostate cancer or maybe just dealing with uh, that type of health in particular, there's a psychological component to this as well, isn't there? Well, definitely, you know, so the best way to treat cancer is to treat it early, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, not everybody wants to. They don't want to confront it. Absolutely. They want to put it on the back burner. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You, don't, you don't want to deal with it. And you're afraid to. part of, of having a, a screening for prostate cancer means that you have to have a, an examination, you know, with your physician. It is extremely important to be on top of this and work with your physician towards the screening to see if there is something, especially if you have you have African American, you have a family member with cancer, or as you age, to get this done. And sometimes your doctor will recommend to have a test to check how is your uh, prostate-specific antigen, what is called a PSA. If your doctor and you basically agree on doing this, then you can start in a screening program with your physician, you know, and you might be able to find something when it's very early and basically potentially uh, save your life. It is very important to at least to start the conversation and to talk with your physician about this. Steve Sparks with Dr. Jorge Darkcourt from Houston Methodist. 
Uh, are there some mild symptoms that we might be able to recognize uh, ahead of time to say, all right, there might be something going on? Yes, yeah, sometimes you might not have uh, any symptoms, but sometimes you, the most common things that we see is, for example, somebody that has problems with their urine, you know, so uh, the stream of the urine being weaker, you know, or having to push to urinate, you know, it's like, okay, I have a problem now urinating. So that tells you that your prostate probably is enlarged, you know. Sometimes some patients will find some blood, you know, in the urine or in the semen. It's something that will prompt you and should prompt you to go and see your physician. If something happens one time, you should consider to talk with your doctor and say, okay, there is a problem here. This is not normal. Okay, and you should seek help immediately. Doctor, one of my favorite things about your bio when I read it was you talked about one of your personal goals was to bring cutting edge clinical trials and cancer treatments to the communities of the greater Houston area and closer to people's homes. Know you're involved in those clinical trials. How can people get involved with that? Oh, absolutely. You know, the Houston Methodist over the last 10 years has dedicated themselves to put a state-of-the-art cancer centers across uh, the greater Houston area. We have cancer centers in Sugarland. We have cancer centers in Katy on the mm -hmm. west area of Houston, uh, Willowbrook, Woodlands, uh, in Baytown, and also in Clear Lake. And of course, the main campus is the medical center, you know. Due to our, our leadership, we have been able to put cancer centers with cancer programs and clinical research. And you can go to any of these cancer centers and talk with physicians and see if there's a clinical trial that will be suitable for your treatment for prostate cancer. So in that way, you don't have this thing that you have to drive two hours, you know, to see a state-of-the-art treatment. Great information. We thank you so much. I, I want to make sure everybody knows uh, who they can contact. I, I know the information as far as the phone number is 713-790-2700. Or also there's a, a website and that's houstonmethodist.org slash cancer slash prostate dash cancer. And it's Dr. Jorge Darcourt, Associate Director for the Sixth Houston Methodist Community Cancer Centers. We can't thank you enough for this information especially on Father's Day weekend. Well, thank you so much. and Happy Father's Day for all the parents and fathers that are there. And um, I hope that everybody goes and talks with their physician, you know, and try to keep the cancer away. You know, this is important. Very good. Thank you very much. We'll be back with more of Astrolunch right after this. Robert Ford, Steve Sparks, the Houston Astros on your radio all summer long. Welcome back, Robert Ford. Pleased to be joined by a very special guest today, Jack Berger with the Houston Chamber of Commerce and also Outsmart Magazine. As today is the uh, first ever Pride Night uh, at Minute Maid Park for a Houston Astros game. First of all, Jack, thank you so much for, for joining us. And I know that uh, you're one of the people who's been responsible for, for getting the idea of Pride Night onto the Astros' radar and, and, and making this a, a top priority uh, how big of a day is this is this for you and and for for the gay community personally first I, it's it's huge i came to houston in 1987 and was uh, part of the astro orbiters fan club back in the <laughs> in the old days with nolan ryan and, and some fabulous folks had my season tickets i don't maybe 20 years or so uh so uh, i'm a big fan and as part of the lgbt community I wanted to just make sure that the Astros were aware of the fact that 
most of the other teams were participating in some sort of a pride night. Every time, whether it was the Dodgers or the Red Sox, you know, would do their special rainbow logo. I'd send it to as many people as possible. And then finally, a couple of years ago, Tammy Wallace, who's the co-founder of the Houston LGBT Chamber, and I kind of linked up and we were very happy that Jim Crane gave us such a positive response and, and started the ball rolling. Even in 2020, we, we had one on the books. It just got bumped by COVID. For the community to have this seat at the table, if you will, and to get this uh, recognition that our participation is appreciated and welcomed, that's the important part of why we uh, are so excited to have a Pride Night. And with the LGBTQ community, why is it so important to have these sort of events, as you mentioned, it, they've become very common throughout sports. Uh, 29 of the 30 major league teams have so, have had some sort of Pride Night event. Right. I think it's important because we want to feel comfortable. We want to feel appreciated. We want to feel like we can be a part of the fan base without fear of uh, anything, really. It's just the community. There's a lot of sports fans. And if we have a chance to express ourselves as a group, to have a theme night, uh, to have fun with it, everything from the first pitch to the national anthem to just enjoying it, whether it's a, a special giveaway, the community will keep and wear the rest of the time. It's just to feel as a part of the bigger part of the community. Houston's the most diverse city in the country. If we don't have examples for that, then that's kind of hollow uh, to me. The Rockets now have a pride night next week. Both the Dynamo and the Dash will have their pride nights. I think it's a good marketing opportunity for the team, but I think the community community also appreciates the fact that they're being recognized and they have the ability to put some economic uh, impact behind it as well. We, we want to see that at the table and we don't expect it to, to be free and we want to support our teams. And uh, if we can do that through Pride Night and throughout the rest of the year, that's great. But it's nice to have that one special night. It's pretty obvious. Like you said, you've been a season ticket holder. You're a big baseball fan and Astros fan. And there obviously are a lot of people in the LGBTQ community who are big sports fans, which uh, many people may not realize. But also, I'd imagine this is a great opportunity to expose those who, who may not be as big of baseball fans and maybe turn them into fans. Absolutely. And, and I think people look for opportunities to do things with groups, whether it's a, a suite or just a, a, you know, a couple of friends just to go hang out. The Astros, it's, it's a very affordable a night out or an afternoon out or, you know, fireworks Friday, everything uh, can fall into place. When you have 81 home opportunities to, to come to a game, Minute Maid Park's one of the best places, you know, to watch a game, to enjoy a game, just for the community to have a chance to, like I said before, to have a night. It's a, it's a, good, a really good thing. And I think it will benefit the team as well as our community to, to have something on a regular basis. So now that there finally is a pride night at Minute Maid Park at an Astros game, as you mentioned, it was supposed to happen last year. But what do you feel is, is next? What's the next step? I think the Astros are going to continue to get involved in the community we're not fortunate right now to have a current player that's out and that's okay. But I think it's just a level of acceptance that we can celebrate pride night, just like any other theme night. And 
show up and and have the respect of the the other fans that are there. Uh, It's not going to be something they have to worry about with if they bring their kids or whatever. You know, it's just a good, solid opportunity for the community to come out and support the team. You know, just add themselves to the list, to the ranks of, of Astro fans in general. I mean, we have sports bars. We have bars that show the games. Obviously, if we go to the playoffs in the World Series, it's even a bigger deal. Everyone's got their Astro swag on in the community. We're just another subset of fans. Uh, the fact that we're LGBTQ, that's a good thing. We want to show that we're just like everybody else. We're just part of the, the bigger, the base of Astros fans. That, that's what we are you know, deep down, we we bleed orange and yell at the TV when the bullpen isn't top of its game. You know, we're just we're just sports fans, and 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 if we can have that acceptance, then then it's a win. Jack Berger with the Houston LGBTQ Chamber of Commerce and also Outsmart Magazine. Thank you so much for joining us, and thank you so much for talking about Pride Night. What a what a big event, and, and great that it's finally happening in Houston. Thank you so much, and thank you, Astros. Astrocast is poured for you by Carbach Brewing. Get highlights, interviews, the latest news surrounding MLB, and your Astros. Brought to you by Carbach Brewing. Looking up. See you later. Into the Landry's Crawford boxes. Subscribe to Astrocast. Expecting a great season with this Astros team. The official podcast of the Houston Astros. It's going to be a lot of fun the whole way. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.